Today, I have the opportunity of having a conversation with Jim White. Jim is an author. He is a coach and founder of Family Enrichment Academy, where he teaches families and parents how to raise amazing, respectful, and responsible children. Jim is also the author of the book, How to Be the Parent Your Teenager Needs You to Be. We're going to dive in to that conversation today, how to raise teenagers. Jim is going to provide you with a depth of experience and knowledge with how you can approach your teenager and have meaningful, purposeful conversations. He's going to tell you what to ask, what not to ask, and give you three keys you can take right now as a parent to build a healthy, strong, impactful relationship with your teen. This conversation on the Dad's Making a Difference podcast starts right now. You are listening to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. Jim, welcome to the Dads Making a Difference podcast. Great to see you today. Yeah, excited to be here. Looking forward to it. Jim, I love your work with Family Enrichment Academy. I've been looking into what you're passionate about and helping people really grow strong families. And so I want to start there because in digging into you a little bit, you are a father of six kids. Like I I joke about with some guys on here that we stopped at two because they didn't want to be outnumbered. But Jim, why don't we start there? What your life has been like as a dad and now a grandfather and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, six children. Um, I say we were six kids busy, as you can imagine, there's a lot going on there. And actually, I might share one of the um, sort of messages I share with parents is this idea of a hero's two journeys, Mm. um, and the idea that parenting is a journey. And part of why I share that is because you know, I see my journey as a father through that lens of a hero's two journeys. Now, are you familiar with that? It's a storytelling technique. And I actually, I use it a lot with parents. So if I might take a minute or two and share. Absolutely, dive in. So it's, I came across this, I don't know, several years ago, but the premise is in like a great story, whether it's a movie or a book, the main character or the hero is on obviously two different journeys. And the first journey is known as the journey of accomplishment. There is some goal or some task that they're trying to accomplish. And while you know, pursuing that goal and overcoming obstacles along the way makes for an interesting story. It's the second journey that really makes the hero compelling. And the second journey is known as the journey of fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And so what's happening is all the while as they're pursuing whatever that outside goal is, they're also discovering new principles, values, and beliefs that just make their life work better. You know, they're becoming a better person on the inside. And I share that with parents because I really view our journey as a parent through that lens, and I encourage them to do that as well. You know, with six children, you know, there was a lot of stuff for us to do, you know, a lot of outside goals and tasks to accomplish. But all the while, I was also discovering principles, values, and beliefs that just made our family work better, you know, over those 40 years or so. And so where I am now is my youngest child is actually a senior in college. They're kind of grown and gone. 
And in the last several years, I've just felt called to start sharing some of that wisdom gained, you know, some of that inside journey information with parents. And so that's how I got here and why I formed the Family Enrichment Academy. It's a vehicle to share whether it's content or courses or coaching, all of that sort of activity, but it's it's all a lot of my focus is on helping parents along that second journey. And what I found is when you make progress there, the outside stuff tends to take care of itself. Right. And you know, and so it's it's a matter of having a little bit of priority on that inside journey as well. So um, and that comes, you know, I've always had an interest in personal development through the, you know, through those years. And just a lot of work with my kids and helping them to grow into, you know, trying to empower them to be their absolute best is, is part of that process. So that's in, like I say, six kids, a lot of, a lot of ups and downs over the years. Yeah. Amazing. I love that you touched on uh, your principles and values and beliefs. You have a definition, I would say, of a successful family. Right. That you have on your website. I love it. Do you want to share it or can I read it? Yeah, it, either way. I actually, it might Go be interesting it. Yeah, to hear how it came about. So this was like 20 some years ago now. And it's interesting. I don't know if you've ever had situations where you start down a path with one thought in mind and it ends up going a different direction. Yeah, something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And it turns out to be much better than you ever thought kind of a yeah. thing. So what happened I received an invitation to attend a Toastmasters club. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're familiar with Toastmasters, yeah. but and for your audience, it's not. It's a it's a club with mission is to help people develop communication skills. And you do that by doing talks or speeches in a safe environment, and they give you feedback and that sort of thing. And so I went there really just under the premise, you know, I was at a place where I gave presentations from time to time. I thought, oh, this will be kind of a a fun thing to do. Well, through the process, though, I decided I was going to write my speeches out word for word. And so I started writing and I fell in love with this writing process. And after two or three years in Toastmasters, I said, you know, I've got enough stuff here for a book. And, you know, all of these talks that I had done and but I needed to connect the dots, you know, connect all the different stories. And that definition of a successful family was part of that connecting piece of it, which it's the idea that a successful family is one that speaks with respect. They honor differences. They empower each other. They support each other. They have this knack for really appreciating good times, while at the same time, the ability to overcome any difficult obstacles or circumstances. And the last part is that there's a sense of peace, joy, warmth, and love within the home. And that's like an ideal that's out there. And and part of my message in the book was, you know, we don't always live up to that. But it's it's this target that's out there. And, the, and so it's how can we move that direction and how can we represent that more often than not is part of the goal. Um, and so that's it actually was part of this book that I, I self-published 20 some years ago. Um, and it came from those Toastmasters talks. That's where it all started. Excellent. There's a part of it that really spoke to me where you you finished the definition of saying and truly enjoy being together. And. My interpretation of that reading through your work is that truly enjoy being together, whether it's an easy time or it's a hard time, it's a good time or it's a bad time. You just truly enjoy being together and navigating life and its complexities together. And it spoke to me. So I I love it. I thought it was beautiful. But 
it also got me thinking to stages in life. You know, yeah. I shared a little bit right before we got on to press record here that I have an 11 year old daughter who is on the brink of being a preteen and then a teenager and having worked alongside teenagers for years. I'm still a dad, a parent who's like, oh, my goodness, here we go. And yeah. so I'd love to dive in a little bit more of like truly enjoying being together. Right. During those times. And I'd love to hear some of your insight into raising teenagers and building relationships with them. So as a father of six, and you said your youngest is now a senior in high school, correct? Senior in college, actually. Senior in college. So it's been yeah, she's 22 years old. <laughs> okay. So you, you've been there, you've done that. What right. is the, the beginner piece of advice that you would offer to maybe myself, a dad in my state, or uh, a parent listening to this who has a child who is a teenager right now? Yeah. So there's a couple things. First of all, part of why I like to refer to the Heroes 2 journeys is because I really encourage parents to think of it. It is a journey mm -hmm. and there are going to be ebbs and flows through that. And it goes on forever. And part of the, the message is, like you said, you have an 11 year old, she's going to turn 12. And that's going to be the first time you've ever had a 12 year old. But then a year later, she's going to turn 13. And that's going to be the first time you ever had a 13. You know, there's every day is like something new that right. you've never experienced before. And so we have to approach it under the premise of, okay, this is just part of the journey. And, you know, how can I learn and grow from this? And that's the next piece is to adopt that growth mindset. As a parent, if you can adopt that mindset, it just opens up so much more possibility than if you stay really rigid and, and don't see this as an opportunity for your growth as well. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the key is it's, it's really an opportunity for you to grow as a person. If you open up one of, I have these quotes I do every once in a while. One of them is that, you know, for example, your teenager giving you that one word answer when you ask a question is really just a sign to you that you need to ask better questions, yep. right? But we don't see it that way unless we have that growth mindset in the first place. Right. And so it's an idea of, okay, how can I grow and learn from this? So that's a big part of it. But for the teen years, kind of the one overarching theme that I would throw out for parents and for you is... Over these years, there needs to be this natural transition of control. Hmm. As when you're a parent of a younger child, you control everything, you know, when they eat, what clothes they wear, you know, when they go to sleep, all of that stuff. But as they move into and through those teenage years, as a parent, we need to let go of some of that control and turn it over to the child. And it's hard. And yes, that's where a lot of the conflict comes from. And, but if you think about it long term, the goal is that when they head off to wherever, when they're 18, 19, 20 years old, they need to be able to manage themselves, mm -hmm. right? And how they learn to do that is by taking on little bits and pieces of that from the time they're 12 to they're 18. And where the struggle is, is, okay, when do I turn over the control? There's another thing I talk about. It's the readiness gap. And the premise is that the parent always underestimates the child's ability to take on something, yeah, but then the that. child will always overestimate what they're ready to take on, right? And so there's this yes. gap in the middle, and that's part of the journey when they're teens is figuring out, okay, what are they ready for? What can I go ahead and turn over to them? Uh, how can I share that with them and let them? And my experience is that we probably could give more sooner 
than we pr- want to as a parent. Yeah. And so that's part of the advice is, okay, how can we start to turn over that control? And as, if you do that, you really position your child to be successful often to their adult life as well. And it helps to eliminate a lot of the conflict that you might experience during those teenage years. Yeah, I absolutely agree. When you, I love this readiness gap. I'm writing it down because I have seen in my experience and I'm starting to feel it a little bit with even my wife, Kim and I, and our daughter is this idea, this readiness gap. We don't want, we don't want to give control. Kids want to take a bunch of control and the muck happens in between when we try to navigate. Yeah. try to navigate what's too much. When's the right time. And you get stuck in this. Yeah. And it's in, and it, and it's an ebb and a flow. And the other thing I don't, you know, for parents that have multiple kids, they're not the same. And, you know, one child at age 13 might be ready for something that your other child may not be ready for till they're 15. And so that's where we have to be as parents, as connected and as tuned in as we can and work with them towards it. And another thing that happens with parents is you know, you want to say, well, you don't feel like the child's ready for a responsibility of some kind. And sometimes the parents will just say no. And I always encourage them, though, you know, you can say no today, but then have a plan and talk to the child about, okay, here's how we're going to get you there. Hmm. It's I want to get you to where you can handle this responsibility. And so let's have a plan for getting there because that's what brings hope into it, right? Right. If the child just hears no and they think, well, that's never going to happen. Um, but it's not, no, it's just, okay, we're not quite ready. Let's work on how can we can get ready and how we can, how you can demonstrate that you're ready for this. And that, that it's, it's a plan to build at that point, rather than just a no in the parent kind of being authoritative, if you will. What are some of the indicators? What are some of the signs of readiness that parents can be on the look for, or just be aware of? I want to talk to two things. Indicators of awareness for the teen and indicators of awareness for the parent, because we'll, we'll get there. Um, yeah. But what are some things we look for in our kids as they're growing to say, hey, they might be ready for more? I think when they start to push back, that's a sign that they're feeling like they're ready. Mm. So let's take schoolwork, for example. And if the parent is you know, kind of micromanaging that, tell them, okay, it's time to do homework. And, you know, you need to do this. It's time to study, you know, and you're, that's what you're saying. And the child starts to push back a little bit. That's a sign that they feel like they're ready, right? Yeah. You know, they, I can handle this. You know, you don't need to worry about it anymore. You, it, you become almost like a pest to them at that point. Yeah. Um, and when they start to say that, then that's your signal. Okay, maybe they are ready for it. And then it's a matter of, okay, how do we hand over some of that responsibility to them? And I'll be honest, one of the hard parts then is you have to be willing to let them fail a little bit because that's how they learn, right? Mm -hmm. And if if they have a little bit of a a struggle, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I always like to talk to parents, you know, learning to be resourceful and resilient yeah. will serve your child forever. Whereas getting an A on a particular test in algebra, you know, it serves them for the moment. But if, you know, that little bit of struggle that they go through and learning, you know, those skills is something that will they'll stay with them forever. So one sign for the child is when they start to push and they start to ask. They, and they ask by saying, you know, back off a little bit. You know, they, that's what they say to the parent. 
is, you know, and again, they're going to do that before the parent's ready a lot of times. Yep. As a parent now, I'm keenly aware of when there's pushback. Yeah. We're not always aware of how we're responding or how we're acting. And we don't understand like, why am I getting this reaction? So in this, in this readiness gap, now I'm looking for the indicators from my teen, but what indicators in my own practice do I need to be aware of to say, Hey, you need to let go a little bit. Actually, I'll, I'll throw out something we haven't talked about yet. One of my primary fundamentals that I work with, with parents is around the parents mindset. Hmm. And I, encourage them to think of it as there's two competing mindsets within all of us. One of them is fear-based and one of them is love-based. And what you're talking about is when you're viewing it typically from a fearful mindset. Right. As the parent, you're afraid they're not ready. You're afraid they're going to fall and fail. You're afraid they're going to make a mistake. And that's what's having you hold back and want to hold on to that control a little bit. And if you can shift to more of a love-based mindset, you may still feel like they're not ready, but you do it with some compassion. And there's a distinction there in just how you present it. And that's also when you do it under the premise, okay, how can we build a plan to get the child from point A to point B? Because then you see your role more as one of empowerment and helping them to grow as opposed to trying to control what the child's doing. Hey guys, I wanted to take a moment and talk about our community of DMD brothers in the DMD mastermind. We are men who help each other to stay focused and intentional in our pursuits of personal, professional, physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual growth. We are a community of men who bring courage, wisdom, and transparency to unfiltered conversations that challenge us to be more impactful men, to be dad's making a difference. We do this through our online and in-person events where men come together to speak into each other's lives and then turn around and do the deep work to create change in their families, in their businesses, and in the community around them. If you are wondering if this community might be right for you, you can find more information on the DMD Mastermind and you can also book a call directly with me at dmdmastermind.com. Now, let's get back to our show. And so that fearful mindset, and and typically, I encourage parents to think about what they're experiencing. If they're experiencing frustration or disappointment or anger, those are all signs that you're viewing the situation from a fearful mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, But it could just be you know, like an anxiety, almost like, I just don't know if they're ready. And you have that, you worry, a worry is another one of those signs that you're viewing that from a fearful mindset. And, and the issue is, when you do that, it's hard to move the child forward when you're fearful. Mm-hmm. Um, because two things, one is connection gets damaged a little bit, that child feels a little disconnected from you, when you're fearful, because they feel like, you know, there's just that uh, there's an angst there and they, they feel like you're not on their side, if you will. In order, a lot of times parents will say to me, how do I, I can't get my child to listen to me or I can't influence them. Well, there's a prerequisite to influence and that is connection. The stronger your connection with the child, the more likely it is that you're going to be able to influence them or to empower them. And so that's why that 
you know, letting go of the fear and being more love-based helps to build that connection, which then puts you in a position to empower and influence them later on. It's a building process there. I love it. The connection before influence. And it's hard work, but it's meaningful work for parents. You give yeah. an example in one of your blog posts, you were addressing, uh, yeah, I have a nine-year-old son as well. And I just read it and I was like, this is my son, Braylon. Yeah. A young man who's probably a little bit disappointed that he's going into church on a beautiful day and he doesn't want to get in. And right. how you respond to that without coming from a fear base, but responding to it in a love-based way I thought right. it was brilliant. And so I yeah. can see that happening in my young son. I can also see that when I have opportunities to interact with 15, 16, 17-year-olds who have made different decisions in their life. Right, right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that it's, it's there. And then it's interesting because sometimes parents will hear being love-based and they'll think, well, that means I give in to everything. And that's not necessarily the case. You still, in that, that example, the blog post you're talking about, you know, the child still had to go to church, yeah. but you can you can at least acknowledge and validate what they're experiencing and do it from a compassionate place, but yet they still have to. Or if there's some you know chores they have to do or whatever, you know they have to go to the little brother or sister's school yeah. program. They don't want to, and so it's just a matter of saying, you know, I know it's kind of hard to go do something when you don't want to, but that still it doesn't mean they don't have to go. But you can do it from a compassionate place as opposed to that fearful control place where it is you get angry at them or frustrated. And that creates the disconnect, right. interestingly. And if you approach it more compassionately, not only does it help them get through it and, and then they resist less, it also builds connection in that moment, even though it's a difficult moment. It, it creates connection for the next time. I love Okay. I write as you speak because you just bringing ideas into my head. I love this. This is what I love about conversations like this. Yeah. Um, fear, love, connection, influence, compassion, these things that really build that family mission of truly enjoying being around each other. But you also said a word just a moment ago that I think gets overlooked and it's acknowledgement. Acknowledgement, meaning taking a moment in maybe having some empathy and trying to understand right. where your child or your teenager is in that moment and acknowledging it as part of that love-based response. Sometimes right. we don't, it's very easy not to acknowledge and just be in our cylinder and say, this is right. This is wrong. Right. Um, man, that's yeah. hard work. That's hard work. And it's one of the, um, I, I put together a book on parenting teenagers and one of the fundamentals is building connection. Mm -hmm. And I have like nine different, I'll call them strategies. And one of those is being curious. Mm. It's asking those questions. And that part of that, so that you can then acknowledge then what they're thinking. And the, the challenge for a lot of parents is they'll ask the question, but as soon as the child responds, we want to pass judgment on their response as being right or wrong. Rather than just saying, oh, you know, that's an interesting perspective. I never thought of it that way. You know, that's a whole, it allows the child to have the freedom to share what they think. I mean, it's interesting if you give them a chance to share what they think, then you can go back in and say, you know, would you mind if I share some of my thoughts on it? And then, and you got to ask permission. That's another thing I talked as we move into those teen years, you have to ask permission for that mm -hmm. a lot of times. And if the child feels like they've been heard, they will be open to hearing you because again, you've built connection by listening to them without passing judgment on it. 
And then you, like you said, you acknowledge and validate what they're going through. And it's all about being seen and about, and it's all, to be honest, it's about feeling loved unconditionally. That's the ultimate goal is if that child really feels loved unconditionally, you know, that's just so powerful for them. It gives the child strength. You know, a lot of times I'll get parents ask me about, you know, peer pressure or, you know, the child going off and having anxiety and all of that kind of, but it's all about that inner strength and inner confidence. And that comes from that child having that sense of home and a real strong connection to home and to mom and dad. It, they take that with them wherever they go. And when it, it's a something to hang on to, which actually if you don't mind, I might share a little story Absolutely. Um, that, that speaks to that. Um, so I was speaking to a, a like a family minister at a, a local church here, and he was talking about an event they do. It's called it's a mother daughter mud run. Hmm. And what they do, it's um, obviously moms and daughters come and they build like an obstacle course. It's like, you know, a mile long, all kinds of obstacles, but it's full of mud. And. So they go through this course. Well, what the daughter doesn't know is that mom has been prompted to write a letter to her daughter beforehand. Okay. And the letter, the, the prompt for the letter is right now, in terms of the world, you are not beautiful. You're covered in mud. Your hair is a mess. You smell, blah, blah, blah. But here are all the reasons why I love you. And mom writes this out ahead of time. So then they complete the mud run. They go sit for they had they have these areas set up so they can go sit for a minute. And mom presents this letter to her daughter. And as he described it, he said those letters become like a handle that those girls hold on to. You know, they take it with them. And he, he they've done it enough years that some of those girls have gone off to college and they come back and they say, I took that letter with me and I read it a hundred times freshman year. And it, you know, every time I started to feel bad at night, I'd pull that out and it, you know, it helped me regain my sense of self, if you will. So that's what I mean. You know, that's a physical example, but it's, it's about building connection and having that there so your child can hang on to it. Wow. There's so much to unpack, but I think already you've given a ton, not intentionally, but maybe intentionally given a ton of advice just thinking about all these things, love, compassion, connection, influence. If there was one piece, there's not one piece, but if there was one piece of advice <laughs> that you could give right now to, to a parent who's in the muck, in that gap, where what would you give them right now to say, hey, here's here's one thing to try. Here's one one step that you might be able to take to help move this forward. So it depends, I guess, when you say the gap. If I always start, the, the first core is the parent's mindset. Mm -hmm. And so I would, I would point them there and it is how can they start to develop a more love-based mindset? And as they do that, things will start to open up for them, but that can be a challenge, you know, cause if it's sort of, it becomes a habit and we tend, we start to respond, you know, a circumstance happens and we respond out of that fearful mindset. You know, we get angry, we get frustrated, we get disappointed and it becomes a habit. And so it's just like any, I, actually, I like to draw the analogy a lot of times to fitness, health and wellness. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if, you know, eating habits are hard to change and right. if you get used to having cake every night after dinner, 
it sometimes it's hard to change that habit. And it's the same thing with being love-based, you know, responding with compassion as opposed to trying to control takes, you have to be very intentional about it and you have to practice. Um, and actually, in, I also, you know, we'll share sometimes some strategies for that. One is, you know, start, be very intentional about the people you surround yourself with. If you're around people that are fear-based, you know, and you know, because they're always complaining, they're always blaming, they're always criticizing, you know, if, you know, the people you're around a lot do that, that's typically a sign that they're fear-based. And so you have to seek out folks that are love-based that you can be around because you'll start to be influenced by them a little bit. So that's, you know, one example. But the other, you know, things that you can do is just be intentional about your mindset and 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 be aware of when you start to drift into that fearful mindset and see if you can start to shift it some mm -hmm. um which i'll give this is a simple thing that i'll share with parents is three questions so an example uh, let's say um you go to the coffee shop and for whatever reason they get your order wrong right and so you sometimes when we're fearful we start to get frustrated right or we get mad right. angry about that and so the three questions are, first question is, introduce some forgiveness and compassion into the situation. So if I look from that perspective, who do I need to forgive? How can I introduce some compassion here? Well, the people that prepared it, you know, maybe I need to have, you know, they're busy. You start to have a little bit of compassion for what's going on. The second question is to introduce some gratitude. You know, how can I introduce some gratitude? Well, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's a cup of coffee, right? And, you know, I have my kids are healthy, you know, you can start looking from a more of a, a place of gratitude. And then the third question is, okay, how can I make a difference here? Once you're a little bit more love-based, how can I make a difference? And, you know, sometimes in that scenario, it's, well, you know, I can still be pleasant to the person when I go and ask for them to fix it rather than being angry and having some empathy for them. And so it's just, but you have to be very intentional about that. And it's practice. So then when your child comes home with a bad grade on a test, it's, you know, it's the same thing. You've practiced that and you're more likely to be able to respond from that love-based perspective then. So that's another example of something you can do to be mindful for yourself. Amazing. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Jim, there is a question I ask every guest. It's the only question I ask every guest. And I want to ask you, as, as a father, a grandfather, a husband, what's one area of growth that you're really excited about or diving into right now? For me personally? Yeah, you personally. It's about connecting at a deeper level, I think, with people, whether it be here or somebody I'm coaching with. It's just continuing to be able to connect at a deeper level and have more impact with them. Um you know, that's what it, it feels very purposeful when I can do that. And so the question is, you know, how do I engage with people at a level that is even more personal, maybe in some ways, or is, is more deep, you know, to really being able to impact people? Um, and it's, it's interesting because a lot of times parents will ask me about what they should do. It's okay. What do I do? And my goal is to help them to think about how they should think about it. And it's more about the thought process. And so that's where I see growth opportunities for myself is just to get be to be able to be better and be able to get there quicker and be able to help people have those aha moments. Mm -hmm. You know, you've had them before and I've had it, you know, where you have those moments like, oh, I didn't ever really thought of it that way, you know, 
my growth is being able to create those moments for people more often. But it's it takes me being really present and being very authentic about who you know where I'm coming from. And there's there's always growth in that area. So that that's for me, and that's part of my practice. You know, it's just part of where where I'm going. Amazing. Thank you. Jim, if there's someone listening to this right now, where can they find more information about Family Enrichment Academy, your books, your work? Um, yeah, where can they connect it, with you? It's um, familyenrichmentacademy.com. So it's pretty straightforward. Uh, you can go there. Um, there's links on the books. And actually, there's a couple of free resources that I would encourage the parents to check out as well. I have one. It's Top 10 Parenting Tips. And so it's a the list of 10 tips for parents. And then for the teens, people with teenagers, I've got 10 questions you should never ask your teen. Like it's that. like they're like conversation killers versus the conversation starters. And so those are free uh, right there on the website as well. But there's contact info. And then, you know, and I will say that if somebody's interested in coaching, typically the process is we set up a discovery call. It's like a, a coaching, a mini coaching session just to get to know me, for me to get to know them and and just see if it's a good fit or not. And those are complimentary. So, and that's, you can do that at the website as well. Excellent. Jim, I want to thank you for taking time away from your family today to spend with us and appreciate you and looking forward to learning more about you and reading your work. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And if you are a father listening to this right now who is driven to build a life of significance, to truly make a difference in the life of your family, in your business, and in the community around you, Go to dmdmastermind.com to learn more about the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind, a mastermind group for fathers that provides men with the skills, the connections, the accountability, the proven steps, and the brotherhood to truly become a dad making a difference. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today, and I will see you on the next episode of the DMD Podcast.